Welcome to the Holden Village Podcast. Holden is a community of education, programming, and worship located in the remote wilderness of the Cascade Mountains. These snapshots provide a glimpse into the learnings taking place in our community. Let's tune in to this week's highlight. Gary Mason, I'm a Methodist clergy person, uh, ordained a long time ago, 1987, so uh, looking now at 31 years, uh, ordained as a minister with the Methodist Church in Ireland, uh, spent more or less 27 of those years in pastoral ministry, uh, lived through the chaotic, bloody sectarian war that gripped the northern part of Ireland for 30 years, and worked very extensively even during parish and pastoral ministry in the area of peace building and reconciliation, trying to persuade those who pursued political violence that there was another way, and I guess as a person of faith that's going to be the way of Jesus, and the way of faith and the way of understanding and listening and non-violence. Four years ago, my church, the Methodist Church in Ireland, gave me permission to set up a small organization called Rethinking Conflict. So I spent my time now working in conflict transformation, peace building, reconciliation, you know, facilitating those difficult conversations we call them in our Irish context, uncomfortable conversations that we really need to have with those who are different to try to find some common ground, some common humanity, and really asking questions like, how do we share space to live together? So how do people in the United States share space, even if they differ politically? How do people in the Irish context share space when we differ politically? How do people in the Middle East, Israelis and Palestinians, share space? As I often say, we, we all have the option to kill each other, and unfortunately we did that. And it took us a long period of time through protracted political negotiations to find a way to live together. So my work's trying to bring, I guess, gospel eternal values into a very chaotic, messy world. And that's what I do. I suppose this week at Holden, I've tried to wrestle, you know, this week and the former week with this whole concept of suffering. I've often quite openly confessed that if I ever walk away from Christian faith, and I don't believe I will, uh, but if I do, I think it'll be over that whole riddle or mystery or unanswerable question of suffering. Uh, I don't think it's going to be over creation evolution or did Jesus rise from the dead or is the Bible the word of God? I think suffering is just a complex mystery that us human beings, this side of eternity, just aren't going to understand. Uh, my work takes me to different places in the globe and we often spend time in the Middle East and in Jerusalem a number of years ago I met a man in his early 90s. His name was Kazik. We've become good friends. He's the last remaining survivor of the leadership of the Warsaw Ghetto Uprising. As a man in his 90s he still has very difficult memories. He struggles with his faith quite openly he says he is immense difficulty in believing in God after the Holocaust, or the Shoah, to use the Hebrew word. And a number of years ago, the BBC did this fascinating documentary called God on Trial, where they actually put God on trial in the barracks of Auschwitz. It was a very perplexing, difficult thing to watch, because the people that actually ended up putting God on trial literally knew that in a matter of days, weeks, months, they too were going to go exactly the same way as people had gone before them. So trying to visualize that as the kind of sound of prisoners 
being marched to the gas chambers, drifts huntingly through the walls, the trial gets underway. The questions posed during the inquest are really profoundly difficult. They're deeply complex. And as the hour draws near to when they will face death at the hands of their captors, the thoughtful prisoners finally reach a verdict. Interestingly, they don't refer to God as being guilty. They end up using the Hebrew word Shayavai, which actually means he owes us something. They don't pronounce God guilty. They say he owes us something. It's a very haunting, difficult story. But then I often look to Psalm 22 and I see those words of scripture that Jesus quotes quite graphically there on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, Luther, the Protestant reformer of another generation, has the honesty and the integrity to say, God forsaken of God, who can understand it? And we can't. As Jesus hangs there in pain on the cross, the sins of a chaotic world heaped upon him. And I suppose in ministry now of, goodness, 31 plus years, most of it based on the island of Ireland, having lived through a 30-year internal civil war and seeing a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of difficult questions, I've just come to the conclusion that really life isn't fair. There's almost a kind of lopsidedness, a kind of randomness to the sort of distribution of windfalls and pitfalls. No questions we ask. Who listening to this little recording will get sick? Who will get rich? Who will be beautiful? Who will be disfigured? Is there any sovereign logic to this? But I remember reading a quotation written by a person who had struggled with immense suffering and the loss of a child. And they said, even when life disturbs, disfigures, or destroys. God whispers, if you do what is right, it will go well with you. And I guess, being a bit of a kind of thinker around these issues, I would like this to think that God will stay the hand of like death, disease, accident, injury, and illness. I would like it to mean that myself and I, guess every person listening to this little recording will live a long, healthy life, marrying children, etc., etc., etc. But I've come to realize life isn't like that. It doesn't mean that any of us will live this idyllic, undisturbed life. It might happen. On the other hand, it might not. So God's definition, I guess, of going well is unique. Maybe strange, almost eccentric. His definition of wellness isn't about health, finances, jobs, security. It's not about life being fair. Because you look at Job, he lost just about everything. God seemed silent for an incredibly long time. But ultimately, Job chose to believe that what he knew about God remained true no matter what. He actually chose to believe God was really, really trustworthy. Still struggled, still a lot of questions, still a lot of doubts. He also had a lot of anger. Interestingly, within Jewish theologies, the kind of Jewish rabbis and sages say to us, if we haven't been angry with God, it's actually a sign of a lack of faith. How I wish us modern Christians would hear that. And Job wasn't afraid to express it. 
he most certainly let God know how he was feeling. I know as a little boy, my mum and dad, because one of my bad traits, my wife assures me, is you're awful impatient and I confess my sin, she's probably right. I do like everything done yesterday. And my mum used to say when I was impatient, you need to have the patience of Job and then eventually I go to theological seminary and I see that Job was anything but patience. In fact, in scripture, he asks more questions of God than any other person. We could nearly say the arrogance or at times Job almost seemed pompous. But you know what? He still didn't give up on God and actually God didn't give up on him. In fact, God says Job is a righteous person. So I've come to the conclusion very, very strongly that no matter what question I ask God, or in fact, to you, my listeners, no matter what question you ask God, he's not going to say, wow, Gary, I haven't heard that one before. God is big enough to take that. So yeah, life isn't fair. But for those who live by faith, as the hymn writer said, it is well. It is well with their souls. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to view the links in the description for more information or visit our website to find out more about the village. We hope you will make a pilgrimage to Holden. Blessings and peace to you.